Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football Podcast. It's Tuesday, which means we've got lots to talk about, talking about the big issues in football. We will have a topical debate about what we believe to be the best title race so far. Uh, also, we've got our Pratt section of the week, either ors, and as per usual, lots and lots to get into as well. Will, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Three defeats in a row for Wayne Rooney. Get the Birmingham mention in early because I don't want to talk about it. And I actually spent my weekend at Arsenal, so it did cheer me up a little bit. That bad that you've now become an Arsenal fan then? Yeah, glory, glory. Uh, 1-0 to the Arsenal. You know, I absolutely love them. Live in North London. I'll die in North London. Good, great, fantastic. Right, uh, let's get into the show because there's a lot to get into. I just want to say as well, we have got a Christmas show coming up on the December the 11th. We are going to be giving away 10 tickets, which is really 20 because you get a plus one. So we'll be explaining how you do that in a minute or two, actually. But I want to get straight into the show because we will be talking about refereeing decisions. We will be talking about... um, uh, you know, some of the ridiculous comments from the weekend, not just pundits, but in general as well. And we've got some fantastic either ors, uh, you know, a few tidbits there. And Ketier or Highland, who will be the biggest club in the year? Who's going to be more successful, Chelsea or Manchester United, etc. But let's get into the title race, Will. What I like about this is that I do genuinely believe, and I'm not saying this just for the content, that this is the best title race ever. And also... I think it's helped by the fact that it is factually one of the best title races we've had at this point of a season at the end of October. We've not had a sacking either. It's a bit of a, you know, a weird, a weird but exciting start to the Premier League season. Yeah, I mean, after the weekend, Eric Ten Hag could be in line to the first one to be sacked, but we'll come on to that later. I mean, Manchester City are starting to get into that rhythm, but I, I, mm. I think it was more Manchester United that, that made them look good. And then you got Tottenham on Friday night putting the pressure on. My mate, Big Ange, giving it back to Gary Neville when he was trying to get a couple of digs in there. Liverpool dominating against Nottingham Forest. Arsenal absolutely spanking Sheffield United. And then, you know, best of the rest is their shout for Newcastle and Villa. But it's just very exciting. Me as a neutral, we've got a competitive title race. And I do think it's going to go down to the wire. It's just about how many teams will get in there. Well, look, uh, the pick of the bunch for me is Spurs. I really, really, really want them to stay because out of the four teams that I think can win it, which are Spurs, Liverpool, Arsenal and City, as a United fan, Spurs are the most least offensive. Um, not, in, not, in, not, not in the sense that they're not an attacking side. I just mean I like them the best out of those four teams for obvious reasons. We've got history with all the others. Um, I, I mean, look, I, I think really let's start with Spurs because they're top. They they they. Two really un-Spurs-like results, really. Fulham at home, Crystal Palace away. You know, Spurs of the last few years, they're not taking six points from that. The fact that they're doing that's great. I know they've got Chelsea next week, and I know they've got Man City on the horizon as well. In fact, in their next four games, they've got Chelsea, Wolves, Villa, and Man City away. That, for me, I think we revisit this at the start of December and we go, you know, where Spurs are. They'll still be in the top four, but... Yeah, and then and then Man City. I know you want to talk about Arsenal and Liverpool because you were at the Arsenal game. Man City, as a United fan, um, they've got some interesting games coming up as well. Um, yeah. and, and this is why I know it's a good title race, Will, because I'm looking at. I'm not. I don't support these teams, but I'm looking at the next few games now because everyone's played ten, and you can sort of have false dawns, can't you? I remember years where Leicester would top after like seven or eight games, and not not the year they won it. I mean, and Villa have been there a few years ago as well, but. You, you know, you're now looking at it and going, right, what's their next five? And I look at Man City, got Bournemouth at home, easy. Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Tottenham at home, Villa away. That next five for Man City, 
really is um, exciting. And I think with Rodri back, you're right. They just look like they're getting into the groove. We know everyone's going to be. They're getting in the groove. Oh, yeah. Yeah, lovely that. Um, I, I The one with uh, Tottenham, do you think I was watching the Danny Drinkwater interview this morning? He was obviously retired from football. Uh, what could I have thought been? he'd retired years ago. Well, Some yeah. Some say what, he had. What, what could have been? Um, but he was speaking about that Leicester season and how it even sort of translated to the players on the pitch where they knew, obviously, the Leicester fans were behind them, but it felt like the rest of football was behind them. And I just wonder if, if we get to that sort of stage with Tottenham later in the season where, to most people, unless you're an Arsenal fan, they're quite an inoffensive club, really good on the eye, really attacking. Son is the captain. You get behind him. Madison, as an Englishman, he's creative. We've got on with the flair. And I'll probably be sat here come March, April in a Spurs shirt, just hoping that they can push Shitty all the way and push him off the top spot. Because I don't know if it's because I'm spending too much time with you, but <laughs> the Manchester City dominance just is a, a bit boring. I don't know if it's I'm older and football's less romantic and you know about all the dirty stuff and everything that goes on in football. But, but you know, the Man, but, uh, the Man United treble and the Manchester City treble in compared, like how I involved I was at the time, yeah, complete poles apart. So I just want someone to end this dominance. Well, I know you like your F1. I sort of dip yeah. in and out of it over my life. And, yeah. um, and I think that it's a cat. I, I don't I don't watch it anymore. I don't know who won the race yesterday. Was I'll it, give you was a clue. It, was it Man City or was it, uh, as I call him, Josh Verstappen or even Max? I think yeah. it, I'll just double check. But yeah, it, it was. Yeah. Been. Yeah, yeah, and this is what I, I, I agree. You know, Max Verstappen is good and good. Get, put him behind the wheel. He's he's pretty competent. He's and, a good lad behind the wheel. Yeah, and uh, I think Man City are a bit like that. It it is boring. I mean, the, the question I would ask is, look, I, I didn't put Spurs in the top eight at the start of the season, and I thought Madison would flop. I stand by that. That's you know that's brilliant uh, analysis from me, <laughs> um, because. You can't be right all the time. I think everyone projects. I mean, I want to talk about this in the Pratt stuff of the weekend because I heard people after the Man United game getting really angry. Take the captaincy off Bruno. And I'm like, I can't be bothered with people who just say something and then don't have a solution. But bringing it back to Spurs, well, do you, are you are you going to say they're going to get top four now? Or do you still... Because I, I, I still would say... I don't think they'll get top. Four. I don't think they'll get top three. I think Liverpool, Arsenal, and and uh, Man City will will take it away from them. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But look, I really hope they can stay the race. I think they'll definitely get top four for two things. One, we've mentioned it before, the lack of European football just gives them a clear week. Everything that they need to work on or they can improve on, they can do with a clear schedule. Um, hopefully, as well for them that they can have a good go. I don't know if they're out the Carabao Cup already. Probably are. No, they're out, yeah. No, they're yeah. out. Well, they wanted to concentrate on uh, top four. That's that spot, Ben. Um, but yeah, it gives them a, a clear time to focus on the Premier League. And the second thing is, it feels like they still really haven't spent the Harry Kane money. So if Daniel Levy's got a, a sniff of success and he's got £100 million, maybe a little bit more in the bank, uh, and they've got areas that they know they need to improve on, and it's a clear identity, it's a clear sort of philosophy from Ange, it just makes things a lot easier for him to go, right, we need this person to do this and we're doing well. Here's the money. And I don't want to get too excited for Spurs fans. But I'm excited and I'm not a Spurs fan. Well, this show is not driving with Goldbridge where I come up with funny little jokes whilst navigating British roads. This podcast is called Goldbridge Saves Football. And I would say this to Spurs and Daniel Levy, if that is his real name, um, which 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 it is. There's no evidence to suggest it's not. Um, I would say you have to spend money in January. And look, 
I'm sure Spurs fans are very happy with the situation, but they have to spend in January. Like I, I look at Spurs and I think James Madison or Son gets injured. And I think it becomes difficult for Brennan Johnson or Lacelso to come in and, and, and replicate what they've done. So, yeah, I think for Spurs, take it in stages. We're just enjoying ourselves. They're not, don't you love those fans like Newcastle last year? We're just enjoying the ride, are you? You've just lost yeah. 4-0 away to Brentford. Are you enjoying the ride now, are you? <laughs> are you? You're, enjoy, you, you're just enjoying the ride. Shut up. You're not, you're not just enjoying the ride. That's what everyone That's like says. That's people when they... who uh, say they come to the championship. They go, oh, it's great in the championship. You win any of it. But you've just gone to QPR and you've lost 1-0 and you had a shot on target and you've been here for 12 years. So shut your mouth. Exactly. Exactly. But look, it's great for Spurs, but I think they'll need to spend. Uh, just wrapping up the title race. Um, obviously, I think we'd still both predict that Man City are going to win it. And I want to get into some of the, you know, the, the other side of the topical stuff from the weekend because I'm sure that's the meaty stuff. But um, Liverpool are a team I would say keep an eye out for next five games Luton away easy Brentford at home you'd expect them to win Man City away is going to be an absolute cracker straight after after the next international break but then again it's Fulham at home and Sheffield United away Crystal Palace away so and then Man United at home so I just look at Liverpool's next six or seven games and I think all right the Man City game they might lose but you could see them winning everything else around that and then Arsenal will. Newcastle away is tough, but then it's Burnley home, Brentford away, Wolves home, Luton away. Again, I think yeah. Arsenal and Liverpool's next four or five games could really put them in a good position because I think everyone's going to be looking at where um, where are we at Christmas? Are we at the mother-in-laws? Is it you know wh- where are we? I think with Liverpool, it just feels like they're starting to tick a little bit as well. Mm. Like watching that, which on the highlights of the Nottingham Forest game and and the stuff that Trent Salah. And so Bosley were doing it. I, I watched the highlights of the game against Toulouse, and the, and uh, he played really well against Forest as well. But uh, Graven Graven Birch Graven back. He's, yeah, I like he's it. really. I think with what a two signing. more yeah two more months time, I think that midfield is going to be re- like it. Just feels like they're getting to where they were 2019 2020. Not tempted fate too early, but just feels like they're getting set. That midfield so combative, so athletic. And they're getting the partnerships, the links up. And I just really like Nunes as well. I don't know what it's about. He's a bit more of a sort of like Gary Gold sort of type of striker where he's... I like Darwin Nunes, yeah. Yeah, just in and about the box. And I just, yeah, I think they'll be up there. And Arsenal, yeah, I mean, no surprise that they beat Sheffield United. Maybe it was a big surprise that Eddie and Ketia scored a hat-trick. But if he keeps improving... Surprise to him, Will. It was a yeah. surprise to him. He couldn't surprise believe it. Surprise he gave up the uh, penalty as well. So he gave it to Fabio Vieira for the, for the fourth, just because I think he'd had a... You can be charitable though, can't you? Give him a give a bit of a confidence boost. If you're a Sheffield United fan, you're like, fucking hell, just get on with it. Like, look at these cheeky bastards. Yeah, yeah. he's not. He he doesn't even want to score another goal. He's giving it to his bloody mate to give him a confidence boost. Is that what we are? A charity? But they uh, they looked really like some of the touches for the goals. I I know you could say it was. I mean, it was against former Blue Nose Austin Trusty. Get the Blues mentioned in, but uh, the first goal was lovely. Sort of touches in the six yard box and Mm. the, the. Second, no, the third was the absolute creme de la creme, wasn't it? So he could kick on, and we're going to talk about it later where he fits into England plans. But even just talking about it now, you get excited, don't you? Because there's so much everywhere. People have got options. There's great fixtures coming up. We have got a title race. I do. I think it's a fantastic title race. And I struggle to think in the last 10 years when we've had one at the end of October that has got, you know, basically four teams in it. And let's not forget Villa. They might be saying, hello, we've got... We've got Forest and Fulham uh, next two games, you know, and then we've got Bournemouth, you know, look, Villa, I don't think will be in it, but you can't mark them out of it at the moment. But great point about Sabosley, actually. Um, let's just do a quick either or, Will, Sabosley or Madison. 
Uh, I'll go Madison, only because I've seen more of Madison. But yeah, I think Sir looks absolutely fantastic. And the more Premier League minutes he gets into him and more Jurgen Klopp minutes he gets into him, the, the better he will be and maybe get chosen over Madison by me. Well, no, I agree with you going with Madison and I think you've, you've absolutely nailed it because I think this is the thing I've spoken about and I don't hear it enough. And as a Man United fan, I don't know why I'm talking about Liverpool, but it, it is a general football podcast. I said it in the summer to 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 change your whole midfield in two months and be in a title race like Klopp has. He's a bloody genius and he hasn't got the checkbook that uh, that Pep's got. So credit to him. But also McAllister, the work he puts in is unbelievable. He's going under the radar. Gravenberg, I know Ten Hag wanted him, but we ain't got the money. But that's another good signing. And Sabosley, the reason I mention him is I think he got another two assists at the weekend. He's just—I think everyone knows he's good, but I don't know whether—I don't know whether everyone's—I don't—I think he's a little still a bit under the radar as to how good he is and what an impact he's having on Liverpool. He's so creative and he's such a massive part of it. Um, I suspect that his stock will rise over the next yeah, few I- weeks. And I think you, we, everything that was talked about with that 2019 Liverpool side was like that midfield was just functional, wasn't it? And there mm. was no... Start, and it feels a little bit like that with a, a little bit of touch of added flair into it where... A bit of salt you know, and pepper. Th- a bit of salt and pepper. Uh, they're all doing their jobs. Maybe a little bit of paprika in there. Maybe a bit of um, oregano, if you will. And they're, right, and they're that's really, enough. That's enough. They're, they're... <laughs> not, not, oregano, we've gone too far. They're, they're, they look like they're... There were people at home going, is he, wait, what's he, Brazilian? Yeah, well, I like to cook, uh, unless it's a HelloFresh recipe and it uh, tells me exactly what to do. But Liverpool cooking, Arsenal cooking, Tottenham cooking, we're cooking. Let's get to the restaurant and have a lovely meal together. Yeah, don't forget to put your comments in on Spotify and other pl- podcast platforms. In fact, I will just do this now. We have got a Christmas show on December the 11th. Woo! It's it's billed as a United stand show in Manchester, but we have, Manchester. Got, a, we have got a Goldbridge Saves football section. Uh, in there and if you're going to be there from the podcast we want you shouting ultras ultras when you come on we're giving away 10 tickets um and all you've got to do is get on to spotify uh section where you can leave comments on the podcast what do you think about the podcast but all you got to do to be in with a chance of winning is tell us what you'd like to see on future podcasts whether it's a specific guest but more importantly i think i'm giving a bit of a hint away here you'll probably win if you come up with good topic ideas or sections you'd like adding and things like that just leave us a question a comment put your instagram at there and we will contact the winners we're giving away 10 tickets which magically turn into 20 because it's a plus one because nobody wants to go on their own and also do not do what we've had happen recently by applying to go to this show in manchester you win and then say Unfortunately, I live in New Zealand and I can't visit because my wife's just about to give birth. Do not enter a competition you cannot go to, you frustrating people. But other than that, please do enter and give us some good ideas. As I say, comment on the Spotify with your at of Instagram of ideas, topics, etc. What you would like to see on future podcasts. Yeah, it be a lovely evening. Uh, I think we're billing it as our sort of Christmas night out as well. So maybe a, a little drop of sherry for you, Mark. Yep, yep, yep. And uh, we're just trying to sort out the pubs and stuff that we'll be going to, etc., which I'm sure we can share to the people there on the night. Only the select few. We'll probably just point and go, yes, no, and all. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Uh, we're going to move into a new section, which is uh, basically Pratt of the Week. We, we've realised there are so many Pratts out there, Will, that we can't just confine it to Tim Sherwood and pundits. It has to be shared out. Um, although I have to jump it. Well, actually, let's just keep it topical for a minute. 
you know my issues with the PG, MOL and refereeing. And I have a selection here, which which you can just come back on. I mean, do you do you, do you have any that just sort of jump out at you from the weekend that really irritated you? Because it's it's a joke, isn't it? We sort of started it off as a save football from VAR. I think yeah. it's getting worse. And I don't, it's not, I'm not even looking for it now. It's just every weekend it gets worse. Well, if you want me to keep in the spirit of being topical, I mean, I just I watched match of the day back uh, yesterday and, and the elbow from Paulina. I oh. mean, Jesus! And uh, I think Marco Silva Brighton came out again. The, the press conference afterwards, and he was like, "Yeah, but it was raining, and like you know, he's got hair, water in his hair, and, and like I mean, we've we've all had water in our eyes, and I've not gone around assaulting people. So yeah, I think the way that they just sort of brushed that under the carpet, a bit of a stinker." I, I don't really I don't really have words anymore because um oh god on Paulina I, I didn't actually see that game because it was the Manchester derby and then someone says you need to see this because I've been moaning for 10 minutes on my live stream about the uh, the penalty and I was just like oh my god and again you know what it comes down to I I actually I know people who meet up with the referees every couple of weeks like and talk sport and sky and everybody. Is it and a I bit say, like the traitors where they all go in a big dark cape and sit around a, a burning fire? Well, I, I, you know, I applaud it. I think they, they meet up with the media every couple of weeks and discuss things. And I said, can you get me on this? And they were like, oh, I don't know about that. And I said, all I want to do, all I want to do is have some fun with Howard Webb. Uh, I've got a <laughs> feeling I'm not the only one. But um, what happened to Cheryl Cole? Well, how did it all go wrong? And her bottle how do you of think I feel when you call my name? Remember that one? Nope. Anyway, um, she yeah. So look, I, I just I just would that would be one where I would say this Howard, you you're employing people who I don't think have played football down the local park, and he'd go, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Like I've not played football at the highest level. Perlina's done that on purpose." Because I've yeah. done that sort of thing on purpose. He's absolutely <laughs> nailed him. And the worst thing is. The player's lying on the floor, nailed. Like he's not. He's not like gone. Oh, that he's tried to elbow your ref. He's actually been knocked on the floor. And I don't know what VAR are doing. They got a sign on the door for that bit. Uh, just gone to the shops because it's like in the Manchester derby, you've got Michael Oliver going looking for a soft penalty that the referee didn't give, which wasn't clear and obvious. And then in that game, I don't know. They've got a Brighton player lying on the floor. You can see he's gone with his elbow, and they've gone, nah. Nothing in it. And, and he scores the equaliser, just the oh, a little yeah. bit of salt in there. So you'd be yeah. absolutely sick as a parrot, wouldn't you? Yeah. But look, interestingly, I've said this a couple of times, Will. What's your thoughts on this? Man City have had three very contentious decisions go their way in 10 games. They had the Fulham offside, which yeah, was, was offside. They had the Kovacic double sending off that didn't get sent off. And then yesterday, look, all right, it might be a foul in the box, but you should be giving 10 penalties a game because that happens in every game, in every game. Guess what? Fulham, Man City, referee Michael Oliver. Arsenal, Man City, referee Michael Oliver. VAR guy yesterday, Michael Oliver. I mean, look, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there's, I just think it's weird. I just don't think that's a good look, is it really? But Man City have had three really favourable decisions and he's involved in all three. Yeah, I, I can see what you're doing there, but I find it hard when a Man United fan speaks about refereeing decisions, you know, having, you know, We've sat through ones this season. I mean, Fergie time is literally probably in the dictionary now, and I struggle to. Doesn't make it know, right. Struggle to have sympathy with. Uh, um, I, I like Michael Oliver. He's a good lad. I used to go to school with him. Yeah. You didn't. 
You didn't. No, I, I, you no, caught I me there for a minute. But look, just before we move on to other <laughs> stuff, um, just selected others. Michael Oliver wasn't involved in these. Casado, Chelsea, Brentford. Brentford won anyway, but why is that not a red card when you look at consistency? I don't think those tackles should be red cards, but that's apparently what a red card is. The Wolves penalty, look, it's soft. It's simulation. It's a dive. They shouldn't be giving that. Five minutes, five minutes for an offside against Bournemouth and Burnley. I mean, oh, yeah. you can't you can't be taking five minutes. These are these are who wins well, in that? Will different lines as well. Yeah, who wins in that? You've got fans who you can't make fans wait that long, and players as well. They're athletes. It's just incredible, and that gives me no confidence on offsides. If they're taking five minutes on a tight offside, the technology is obviously not that good. Can I just add one in that I know won't get? I'm 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 actually not just saying this because it was covered on Gillette Soccer Saturday. The twelve thirty game between Southampton and Birmingham. Mike Dean and came out and said the referee got it wrong. Where we I'm not even joking. Oliver Burke. It, it looked like one of them. The the what's the the Polar Express came through the back of him. I'm not even joking. A goalie came assaulted him. He was dead on the floor and didn't even look at it. I'm, you, I'll have to send it to you because it was, it was common assault uh, and the referees got it wrong. Don't say that we don't do niche topics on here. We're talking about championship games that nobody <laughs> cares about. Um, but, you know, l- l- oh, l- I care. L- it will cares. I'll tell, tell you who I had down then just to bring it back to Pratt of the Week. I thought, Anthony, I mean, what is he doing there? I, you can tell you're frustrated and you go, oh, it's great for the derby. But like, he just looked like an absolute Pratt. Uh, when he was lashing out of that and, and lucky not to get a red in my eyes. Yeah, but you know what? I, I have a different angle on that. I'm like, he came on for like 10 minutes. You could have given him a red card. But, you know, Roy Keane comes on and does that 15 years ago and people are loving it. Um, you know, I heard Neville on commentary having a pop at Bruno for doing the same thing, saying, oh, he's trying to injure him. And I'm like, you played with Roy Keane, mate. I just think, I don't disagree with you, but, you know, I'll probably come at it from a different angle that, I was disappointed yesterday with some of the commentary and some of the ex-players because it seemed to me, again, it was like the Liverpool 7-0 last year. They just go after the same people. It's always Bruno or Anthony and it's never Rashford or Maguire or Scott McTominay. And I'm like, like, you know, I I want a balanced opinion on it. It's like when Roy Keane said, take the captaincy off Bruno. I mean, that's a very big, you know, as somebody who gets... I agree with that, though. But look, you know, as somebody who gets levelled, you know, being overly critical of someone like Scott McTominay or Harry Maguire, well, I do it from a position that I don't think they're good enough. Um, I think Roy Keane is a former captain of Man United, you know, going after another captain of Man United. I think there has to be a bit of a code there. And also, also, all right, some people might respect his honesty, but what I cannot stand is these people who say, take the captaincy off Bruno Fernandes, he's not good enough. But that's like saying, you know, burn my car it's not quick enough well how are you getting to work tomorrow then you know what's the alternative to Bruno Fernandes and don't tell me Harry Maguire because he's not good enough so I, I you know well, is Bruno Fernandes a good enough captain for Man United maybe maybe not but what's the alternative what is the well, alternative I, well it might tie into because I've actually got down Pratt of the week is Eric Ten Hag just for some of his tactical decisions to go into a Manchester City derby and then come out and say he's playing Johnny Evans over Rafael Varane for tactical mm. decisions some of the substitutions that, that he made, bringing off uh, Hoyland. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Anthony. I mean, he's probably got all that rage inside of him because he was pissed off that he didn't get bought on earlier. Yeah. And I just felt, yeah, I think he got it wrong. And I think a lot of speaking the people are speaking about the Carragher-Neville debate. And I think they are both right. But yeah, Eric Ten Hag has got to be looked at for his tactical decisions this season. And 
as a manager going into that game. He got it wrong. What Man City had an XG of four. It could have been a lot more. Um, and yeah, he, he got it wrong. And he, for me, he's, he could be up there for Pratt of the Week. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was interesting what he said to after the game about I'll never get these set of players to play like Ajax. It could be the beginning of the end. I really hope not because I just don't think that's beneficial to Manchester United to keep no, no. S- sacking managers because you end up with a new manager coming in and having to use £400 million of Ten Hag's players as well as Ollie's players and the the, the problem deepens. Um, some of the, you know, I, I actually really like Ten Hag, but you can't shield people from, you know, the truth. And I couldn't believe what I heard when he said... Um, you know, was it fitness or form? Why uh, you didn't pick Varane or Regvalon? And he said tactical. And I'm like, <laughs> nobody in the world is ever picking Johnny Evans over Raphael Varane against Erling Haaland for tactical. And what happens? Erling Haaland had about three sitters and missed a couple as well. It was just, it was, it was footballing suicide. What he did with Maguire and Evans against Haaland, and you know. I don't, I don't, I'm still to this moment don't even understand why you would say that in an interview. Why would you just not say Varane wasn't quite right? He wasn't quite fit. Yeah, I think if you're a Man United fan, then I'd want him to stay as well, just because you know you look at you look around the league and you look at apart from Big Ange at like Man City, obviously have kept Pep, Liverpool have kept Klopp, Arsenal kept fate with Arteta. You don't build anything by just chopping and changing because, like you said, it takes three transfer windows to really get your identity on the team. He's coming up to his third transfer window will it be in January and it yeah. just doesn't look like that identity's there so I think that's worrying you know some of the quotes and comments that have come out today about uh, training and maybe it being too intense and who's that coming from that's when you start Players. to worry about these player briefings isn't it so mm. I, I, I hope for him because that Ajax side is one of the most enjoyable sides in my lifetime when they did that Champions League run and if he could replicate it at Manchester United it'd be great for you and you'd be happy so that would make me happy as well. We're in a mess, but you know what? I said this at the weekend. Um, look, I think a lot of United fans think there's a quick fix. You know, let's sack a manager. Who brings? It's like it's like saying getting rid of Bruno is the captain. Well, who's the next captain then? And I don't mind people saying sack Ten Hag, but what's your plan? What's your plan then? Yeah. There's no money, and who's going to come in? It'd be Darren Fletcher. So I think that it's it is interesting, but. On the other hand, I do find what Carragher said quite tiresome when he just goes, they've got no style of play because that's not that's lazy. He's better than that. You don't finish third well, I think in the, the league. What a style of play is there, though? But you, what I'm saying is there is a style of play. Obviously, there is. What it is, is not easy to identify, of course. I mean, even as a United fan, I struggle to identify it. But just to say United have got no identity, no style of play. Well, we finished third last year and we, went, we got to two cup finals. So there was a style of play. And also, this season... We're number one in the league for winning the ball back high up the pitch. So, you know, I'd say it's quick transition and, you know, high press to win the ball back. Is it is it working? Obviously not. But I think that I think sometimes, you know, some of these pundits do play to the crowd. Um, and there was some silly comments like Keown um, last week saying that, you know, if he doesn't, you know, he could be facing the sack if he doesn't win a game in these next three. I just don't, I think they pick and choose what agendas to go with. We've seen the pro Harry Maguire stuff, but then, you know, easy targets, Bruno, Ten Hag. What do you think is, um, just on that, we've not had a sacking and it's November. Yeah. This is incredible. I, I think it's good, but it's unusual. I think we normally would have had at least one or two by now. Where I know I said it, I said at the start of the season, Hodgson. I think I've moved to O'Neill. Whoever I predict tends to do quite well after I've predicted yeah. it. Who do you think at the moment, Sheffield United manager, maybe? 
that's the that's the only one just because yeah i think you could get a really you could get a managerial bounce by bringing somebody in but then i think it's going to be clear just from the weekend that we're going to have a bottom four fighting it out for that 17th spot mm-hmm. and then a sort of best of the rest above that so then it's like right who's the best of the worst so chelsea are down in 11th at the moment pochettino's not going to go is he uh manchester united are eighth i don't think eric ten Hag's going to get sacked so yeah, it'd probably be the really boring answer, but it'd probably be the Sheffield United manager, Paul Heckingbottom, just because I think... But even then... Um, it's a waste of time, I think. Yeah, what's that? Bringing a new I think manager? So, you know, if, if Luton or Sheffield United sack their manager, it's Luton. the worst... It's, well, I know, but it, I'm just saying both of them. They were both relegated before they came in. Like, you're not going to get a Sheffield United manager that comes in and gets them scoring goals and gets them playing well. They're just, you know, they deserve to get promoted. Well done. But you're also going to deserve to get relegated. The gap, they, they didn't come up with enough quality. And that's that's the thing about promotion from the championship now. You've got to have a... Some of these clubs don't have enough time to have a strategy, do they? They're like, oh my god, we're getting, we're going to get promoted, and it's like, if I was Ipswich at the moment, I know it's a bit arrogant, but I'd be looking at my Premier League strategy because you're coming straight back down if you just, and 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 that's why I don't think they should they shouldn't sack the manager at Sheffield United because, in a way, he's being punished for his success. If he'd finished seventh last year, he'd still be doing a good job in the Championship, but he gets them promoted, and then oh, you're not good enough in the Premier League. Well, everyone knows that. Yeah, but then it's also being about a bit like being a bit realistic, isn't it? And like Luton know that they'll go down if they stay up. It'd be one of the biggest Premier League miracles of all time. But if they if they go down, that they're spending well, and if you know you spoke about the chairman speaking just wisely about the finances, and they'll go down with a really strong Championship team, which is no guarantee then. And a parachute payments. And the parachute payments, which I think is something we could talk about, which are you know they're not fair, joke, but to be honest. But, you know, just coming back on that, that, if I was Sheffield United's chairman, I'd be like, we're going to get relegated. Why pay off this manager to pay another manager who will probably want to spend in January and will still go down? You could spend five, ten million sacking Hagenbotham and changing it, still get relegated. And then that five or ten million would be really useful. You know, you got it. Sometimes you got a yo-yo. West Brom did it, didn't they? You know, some Norwich do it. Yeah, but sometimes it's just, yeah, that yo-yo no, yeah, but it never works, does it? It just like you, you just are in a constant state of yo-yoing because I mean, look at you look at that Norwich team years ago with like Max Ahrens, Jamal Lewis, Emmy Buendia. There's definitely names I've, I've missed off, but they were sort of you know they had all these assets to sell off and they kept them. Some of them stayed. Buendia's gone on to Villa, but obviously got injured. He was touted to go to Arsenal at some point. Max Ahrens is at Bournemouth now. Jamal Lewis is at Watford, great football manager knowledge, and they just didn't sell at the right time, and Norwich are like in the bottom half of the championship now, so you've got to know when to do it right, and you yeah. can't rely on that bounce, but I, I I think out of the four teams at the bottom, I think Luton are currently on a tracking to be the best team to stay up. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll see what happens it's with too the Too much relegation chat for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm bored. Right. Um, just before we go into the next section of either or, let's talk about... I just wanted to bring in some uh, comments because I do want to do this more on the podcast, make it more interactive. Um, um, a lot of Liverpool fans from the Friday podcast... Remember, we do the Friday weekend preview and we, we have something topical and we do the, the Goldbridge game, which we'll discuss on Friday. But um, a lot of Liverpool fans came back and said that Alisson is the best player at Liverpool and that we got that wrong, not Salah. Well, debatable. I'd still stay with Salah. Um, Stuart, yeah, who is a Villa fan, said uh, Mark is right. Not on our podcast. 
John McGinn is the best Villa player. There we go. Um, Matty Lewis gave me two out of ten for my Keegan impression. The, the impression was literally wearing the headphones, Matty. I was not trying to replicate his voice, so I, 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 I refused no, that. No, I think you were. Look, no. Be honest, you were trying to I don't to know how he talks. How does Are Keegan talk? you doing talk? it again? That's a terrible impression. I don't know how he talks. Um, Anve said uh, it would be great if he did the best player of all time from each Premier League club. Yeah, but let's not oh, be that's not. I thought you were just going to end it there, just the best player of all time. Yeah, no, of all time. I've gone to Stanley Matthews. No, I think it'd be good. I'd quite like that, maybe on the international break. And then Alfie said, could you please do top 10 managers of the week as well, which is uh, top, not of the week, you know, top 10 managers in the Premier League, which I think is probably quite a good one to do soon because it's probably not how as uh, what people would think. Uh, also, yeah. Phil McCracken, always love a good quote from Phil good McCracken. Lad, Phil. Phil gets yeah. about, doesn't he? he gets There's loads of them. Yeah, he said, and this leads us into either or, actually. Good old Phil McCracken. He said, uh, leading us into either or, he said, Man United or Chelsea, who has the better future? So I've determined this will means, let's say next season, who's more likely to be in a title race or top four? Because I don't think either are going to do it this year. So that was a good question. I know the answer, but you can go first on that one. I'm just welling it over in my head there, and I will go for. I think Manchester United. Mm, I think why it's either it's either going to go one of two ways. This Sir Jim Radcliffe coming in. I think there's talk of Dave, Dave Brailsford coming in mm. uh, and getting involved on the football side. I don't know if you remember years ago when uh, when we won the Rugby World Cup, and um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name. Who was the manager? Clive Woodward. Clive Woodward so, got so Clive. involved in Southampton. Yeah, so Clive, and it, and it went down like an absolute shit show, and I think he left after six or 12 months. Um, but if they're smart enough and bring in the likes of Paul Mitchell and back Eric Ten Hag, who will be two years into the job then, I think, although there's a lot of chaos there right now, I think you you can see what Eric Ten Hag would like to do based on what he did at Ajax. And I think, I think just at Chelsea, it's an absolute, yeah, absolute chaos. It's like Firefest over there. No one knows what's going on who's in charge, who's running it, who's sucking off who for water. You just don't know what's going on. That's a fire Festival reference, which is very niche, but uh, I'm not saying anyone's doing that anywhere else. Yeah, most people won't take it as that. Um, I think that, uh, actually, if, if Sir David Brailsford, who's famous for cycling, comes into United and it goes wrong, I've got the, per- I've got the thumbnail ready. On your bike. Nice, yeah. Yeah, I like really? that one. Um, actually, I'm going to go counter United on this. I think Chelsea... I've got the better future at the moment. Um, for simple reason, I think they're only a striker away from being a good side um, and they've got money to spend. So, whereas with Man United, I hope you're right, Will, but there's so many if buts and maybes there. The Glazers will still be there. And also, we've lost a year of Casemiro and Varane now. You know, they, they, they were coming in at like 30. This season's a write-off. So it's, you've lost a year of them. So they need replacing as part of the next stage. So, yeah, as sad as it is, I think Chelsea are better. Will's having a right old laugh and I don't know. I've, I've missed the reference. No, I was just thinking if Dave Brailsford does do well, you could go, this is a wheelie good Manchester United side. Oh, you should have you kept that to yourself. <laughs> you should have kept that to yourself. R- run these by me. Send me a little WhatsApp before you say these things in the future. <laughs> Um, I also got another one from, uh, I've read this as uh, Frey Bentos, but actually I've just realised it's it's Brian Santos. Um, And he says, sell Rashford to win the Premier League next season 
The future after that is uncertain. So what he's basically saying is, would you sell Rashford to win one Premier League? And then who knows what happens after that? Um, I'm loving these Spotify comments, so do do, do more of them. I'll answer this one first. Yeah, yeah go on. Yes, I would sell Rashford to win one Premier League and then have an unfor- uh, you know, who knows what comes because I think he's massively... I'm a, I've, I've backed him a lot and this is where I'm going to say I actually agree with the majority now. I've backed him a lot. It's not acceptable. There's all sorts of stuff about, you know, whether he's focused, you know, whether the Sancho thing's bothering him, whether the breakup of his relationship is causing him problems. I don't know. I don't really care because you're, you're Man United's biggest asset. You, you're on a lot of money and it's abysmal. It's absolutely abysmal. And I know in this world that you're not meant to criticise players, etc. but you are. We're talking about football. We're not talking about his charity work or his books. They're very, very good. I'm talking about his footballing ability for what he's paid to be and what he's meant to be. Somebody said to me the other day, people say he's fell off. I was about to flip it around. He was crap before Ten Hag came in. He had a good season and then he's gone crap again. Maybe, maybe the good season was the blip and the consistency is everything surrounding it. So... Look, I would get rid of Rashford at the moment. And the last time I said this, he went and started scoring loads of goals. So I'm, I'm hoping for a bit of a jinx here. But yeah, I, I'd get rid of Rashford to win a Premier League. Won one for 10 years. I'd get, oh, I'd get, rid, of, I'd wow. get rid of Bruno to win a Premier League. I'd get rid of my bloody kids. No, nah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I'll, I've, I've grown to like them. Um, but no, yeah, I would no. do. Good question, Brian. Yeah, I, I'd do the same. I, I think I said on this podcast near the start of the season, I think, Rashford needs to go somewhere else, maybe do a Jude Bellingham, go to go to a Spain, go to an yeah. Italy, go to a Germany. You see Harry Kane thriving, you see Bellingham thriving. Just needs to get out of that Manchester scene, if you like, where he's so entrenched. And Manchester, and, you know, that's Manchester United. You from Manchester? Um, you just needs to get out and uh, yeah, and move. And I'd you know imagine you could see Rashford at Barcelona, and that would be lovely. Any other either ors? Yes, you do. I've, I've hogged it there. Yeah, I know got- you will. No, you're fine. You've got uh, plenty from... Obviously, you get involved in the Spotify comments. If you can't get in touch on Spotify, we put a community uh, post tab out on the That's Football channel where you got involved. As we currently record, Mark, it is the Balloon Dior um, and the nominations and rankings are coming out. Jude Bellingham got 18th. But we don't know who's won. We suspect it would be Messi. But who should win? Haaland or Lionel Messi? Erling Haaland definitely should win it. Uh, I've said this before. I get it. I'm, I, I'm, look, I'm not here to upset the Messi crowd. You know, no one wants to do that. And I don't want to get into the Messi versus Ronaldo debate. But Lionel Messi is a great of the game. But I feel that the Ballon d'Or, and I want to do a show on this at some point, maybe on the international break. I, You know, how many years has the Ballon d'Or been given out incorrectly? Because it's just been Ronaldo or Messi because it's an easy vote. And I feel that the Ballon d'Or has become the Ronaldo and Messi show where sometimes they just get it. And technically, do they actually deserve it? We know they're God-given talents. We know they're greats of the games. But that shouldn't be a prerequisite to get the Ballon d'Or. And I look at Messi over the last year. He's basically retired to Miami and Ronaldo has retired to Saudi Arabia. He's won the World Cup. Emi Martinez won them that World Cup in my opinion. Messi contributed to it, but it wasn't a Maradona World Cup in in 86. So, look, Messi's fantastic. Absolutely brilliant player. One of the best we've ever, ever, ever seen. But on the course of the last year, which is what the Ballon d'Or should be given on, I cannot move away from Erling Haaland, who came into the Premier League, never played here, smashed out of the park the goal-scoring record. 
and and made Man City win their first Champions League and a treble. I just I don't know what more Erling Haaland could do. And I think that if we are talking about sporting merit and achievement, yes, Messi winning the World Cup, and that's an iconic picture I'll never forget, is, is incredible. But I don't think it marries up to what Erling Haaland achieved in, in his first season in the Premier League for Man City. And that, that pains me as a Man United fan to say it. But I just, you know, I'm looking for consistency from the PGMOL and I'm looking for fairness from those who picked the Ballon d'Or. And I think Messi shouldn't get it because he's completed his legacy because he's had enough Ballon d'Ors, I'd just give it to the person who actually deserves it across the last 12 months. And I know that upsets a lot of Messi people, Will, but that's just how I feel. Yeah, well, I think you've forgotten one big achievement that Messi did this season, Mark. You speak about the World Cup. Obviously, he went to it into, my, into Miami, and he actually took into Miami, into Miami from 15th to 14th in the MLS. Obviously, a big <laughs> raise and obviously worth all the money. So you do forget that crowning achievement. I'm um, very no, impressed I'm that you know. Ireland. I'm very impressed that you know the MLS. I mean, for me, I'd, I'd, I wouldn't even know what the league system is. So, you know, 15th to 14th could be, I mean, it's massive. It's massive. If, if it's niche football content that no one needs to know about it, I've got it stored in the, in the back of my head. I think it's Ireland. I think with strikers as well, we get a bit, I don't know if it's playing too much FIFA or too much football manager. I remember when Haaland was going to Man City on football manager and, and, and in their stats, he would score 50, 60 goals a season. And I'd be there at the time before he joined going, this is unrealistic, but he's mm. done it. And like you said, won the treble. And it, sadly, it'd probably be until he retires or like 10 years down the line where we go, shit me. The mm. guy scored 51 goals in a season. So yeah, it's got to be Erling Haaland. And if you're romantic and want Messi to do it, shove it up yours. And, and you're right. And it scares me actually that we, we underestimate just what Haaland did. I mean, he absolutely shattered those yep. goal scoring records it's it's shat unbelievable on. absolutely and shit on them and he shattered them um but look um th- there was another either or i wanted to do uh, which was enketia versus hoyland this was based on a bit of a pratty comment from tim sherwood where he said enketia would be better than hoyland up front for man united or something like that and i don't want to take anything away from eddie enketia but absolutely every day of the week and sunday i would take rasmus hoyland you cannot you cannot just say Enketia is better than Hoyland because I think if Hoyland was playing up front for Arsenal on Saturday, he probably scores a hat trick as well. I, I just don't. I, I get bored of this. I get bored of this basic punditry where it's almost like sensationalist. Oh, Enketia is better than Hoyland because he scored a hat trick against Sheffield United, and I'm like, man. But on the other hand, Man United are crap and they haven't got a style of play and they don't create chances. So for me, it's Hoyland. Well, I think Hoyland will come good, but I don't want to say this lightly, but I'm worried Hoyland might go into the Nicholas Jackson category. A lot, oh. lot of hype, a lot of shout about Hoyland. You know, his stats on this, great for, yeah, fantastic goal record over here. Progressive runs are what it is over there, but we're still yet to see it. And I, I, I like what I've seen from him, even when he came on against, was it Arsenal was his first game? And even that like 10, 15 yeah. minutes where he had the offside goal taken off him, he was chucking himself about, good physical striker. I do think it will come good and I do think it will be in a resurgence for Manchester United. Um, but you can't write Eddie off. You can't write Eddie off. You know, Gareth Southgate picks him. So obviously you got back that decision. Look, you can't have a, you can't smell it if you can't have a sniff and he can't get a sniff at United. There's, he's not getting any good quality. Whereas if you play up front for Arsenal, you're going to get chances. I, I think it was silly. Any other either-ors? Uh, yeah, I wanted to finish on some silly ones, if that's all right. Uh, AJ yeah. Din in the uh, community post said, would you rather um, still have the Glazers, but as Pep as manager, 
or would you have Qatari ownership with Southgate as manager? <laughs> that is a good one. I'd like to see what Pep would do under the Glazers because I, I think he would fail. Um, and Southgate with Qatari owners would be good as well. Ooh, you know, I've never thought I'd be put on the fence for a question like that. But I'll tell you what, I'd like to see what Pep could do under the Glazers. So I'd go with that. Wow. Oh, well, it's Southgate and Qatar or me. A fantastic manager, fantastic coach. But given all that money to spend, I think it would be great to see. That's probably one of the best stupid either-ors I've ever heard. It's fantastic and well, well thought out. AJ then shout out. Well done to you. Um, I've got one about Sheffield United or Burnley, but we did far too much on relegation chat early. So shall we go into the penalty shootout game? Yeah, some people did miss Hangman, but it didn't trend on Twitter, so shut up, it's gone. Um, we are going to go with this game that we still don't have a name for. So we're calling it Golden Balls at the moment because it does have a penalty shootout aspect. Um, basically, five clues um, to pick a player. Um, you can play along at home. If you get it on the first clue, you get five. If you get it on the second clue, you get four, etc. So um, who went first last week? You won oh, well, last you week. You actually have one. I did. Yeah. Did you? No, you just. Well, you had that Andy Cole one, which you did to the audience. No, you got a really easy one, didn't you? You won last week. All right, oh, you, yeah. You, yeah, you can. Well, anyway, look, you can go first on this one. Um, I nearly. <laughs> I wrote the clues down and I nearly read the name of the player as the first clue. Um, <laughs> would you have got it? Um, okay, so he's a current Chelsea player, is clue one. Raheem Sterling. No. Uh, clue two. <laughs> clue two. He's got, uh, he's got, he's scored three goals in his Chelsea career. Ben Chilwell? No. Clue three, he's got 10 England caps. Reese James? No, this is good. This is good. Uh, clue oh, f- what? Clue four. Done all three. Clue four, he's yeah. been on loan at Charlton. Swansea, oh, West Brom, bastard. and Crystal Palace. Donna Gallagher. Yeah, so you, you got it on... You get two then, because you got it on clue four. Yeah, nice. Okay. okay, that was a good one, that was. Yeah. Um. Okay, I've got, I've, got, I've gone down a different sort of route. Uh. I, I actually think I make mine harder, so I'll adjust mine. Those were good clues then, but gettable. Yeah, that's what I, I want to I I make it gettable on the first... I, I try and make it gettable, but harder to easier. Right. Okay, well, listen to this. I was born in Middlesbrough on the 22nd of January, 1980, which ages me at 43. He's born in Middlesbrough, 1943. He's 43. And no, he's no, in... 1980, he's 43, yeah, yeah. He's 43 and he's born in Middlesbrough. Um, I would in say... In January. Might make him Jan- an Aquarius. In January. Oh, definitely know this because he's an Aquarius. Um, I would say Joe Hart. Incorrect. He was born in Shrewsbury. Um, oh, yeah, of course. I, I, I won the FA Youth Cup in 1997 and made my senior debut for that team the year after. 1997, made my senior debut, FA Youth Cup. It's not Man United. Uh, A great Youth Cup that year. Scott Carson. No, incorrect. I played 104 times for Leeds United, scoring five goals between 1998 and 2003. Uh, it's James Milner. No, he's Incorrect. York, isn't he? He's James Milner. Yeah, he's not, he's not from there. He's okay. York. I know it is. I, um, I don't think I know who it is now. Go on. Do you want to guess? Jonathan Woodgate. Correct. I'll yes. give you, I'll give you, I'll Three. give you the, on the third because my, yeah. 
Marcus, Marcus, please. Yeah, no particular order. I played for Stoke, Middlesbrough, Newcastle, Tottenham, and Real Madrid. Yeah. And finally, on my La Liga debut, I got sent off and scored an own goal. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have got it on the next one. Uh, good one, that one. So I win 3 2. Yeah, no, yours were good because, yeah, they were. I'll, I'll go back to that. I'll get rid of these sort of uh, date of birth ones because they, they don't really work for nobody unless you're a nonce. Well, I like these because it's we we play against each other. So what you won last week, I've won this week, so it's one one. But everyone out at home gets four, gets two goes at a game. So I'm all for that. I'm all for yeah. that. Um, this is a free podcast, and this is a free podcast. Uh, please give us five stars on the podcast that you're looking at, and also give us a follow. Uh, we are back on Friday with our weekend preview, and we'll have a bit of a topic as well as usual as the goal bridge which was interesting this week i know i got at least one so we'll be talking about that then don't forget we have got our christmas show you're very welcome to join us for that just search united stand christmas show it's in manchester at century hall on december the 11th but don't forget we are giving away 10 tickets and it's a plus one so if you win you get a ticket for yourself and whoever you want to bring with you um and all you've got to do to do that is leave us a comment on spotify five star it if you haven't done it already but leave us a comment um with your instagram handle telling us what content topic etc you'd like us to discuss in the future or any realistic guests or anything and we will pick the most informative and best comments and we would love to see you at the christmas show as well it's selling out fast but we have got 10 tickets well 20 really reserved back for this uh, competition fantastic podcast will yeah, lovely stuff. Uh, just seeing that um, I show Speed's doing it in real live stream at the Ballon d'Or. So I'm going to go and watch that and see who wins. What a world we live in. It's amazing what they let him do. What It's amazing what they let him get away with. And your player, having, he's your ha- gaffer. Having met him, it's even more amazing that they let him do this for football. Um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I'm hey, not bitter. I'm not we'll like, like the Murphys. I'm not bitter. <laughs> Very good. Okay, thanks everyone for watching. Speak to you all later.